everyone, it's your boy Captain Hunter coming at you again. Thank you so much for uh, tuning into Captain Hunter's podcast. I really, really appreciate you all coming along with me and with us and taking this ride. As I mentioned already that the podcast has been growing and I truly appreciate all of the love and the support that I have been getting thus far. Please make sure that you keep it up. Please make sure that you rate these episodes, subscribe to these episodes and share these episodes. Rate, subscribe and share. That is the most important thing that you can do to help support this podcast to grow and to go. How you found the podcast, make sure that someone else can find it, right? So we got a lot of great stuff going on, a lot of great episodes coming up. And I really, really want to say thank you for the love and for the support. Remember also that you can support the podcast through PayPal, Cash App and Venmo. PayPal is capped, C-A-P-T, Hunter uh cash app and venmo are both cptl hunter uh there is a cptl hunter for paypal as well if i can ever get that situation straight with them so if you send it to a paypal to cptl hunter i'll still get it eventually um but i just started another paypal account for that so i want to say thank you to, to everyone so what i did was i went over to the to some reviews uh over on apple just to kind of see how everything was going over there i do have some some reviews and some ratings and i really really appreciate the five stars that people have been getting uh, so whether you listen to this podcast on apple or google or spotify or TuneIn or iheart or wherever you listen to this radio to this podcast at, please make sure that you once again rate subscribe and share and drop a drop a um a review i would really appreciate that um you can also send any reviews or any information to me through to cptlhunter at gmail.com. Um, you can also take a screenshot if you don't want to do it a couple of times. Take a screenshot of the um, rating that you have left, the review that you have left, and just email it to me and say thank you for the and uh, and thank you for what you're doing and for the love and support. So what I want to read do right now is I want to read a couple of the reviews that were over on Apple uh, or iTunes or whatever it's called now. Um, so the very first one is by Prospect Farms. Thank you so much uh, to Prospect Farms. It says, smart policeman, take a listen and learn something interesting. Thank you so much for that, uh, Prospect Farms. Uh, for, by uh, Lainey Listens. Um, she says, this is for thinkers and activists. Couldn't be more relevant right now. Thank you, Captain Hunter, for the service of making this thoughtful investigative podcast. Thank you so much to you, Lainey Listens, for dropping that review. And finally, by Tricka186. I absolutely love the content and how it is presented. The host is no joke, very knowledgeable, wonderful perspective for anyone who either loves true crime or is just interested in getting more information about police work. I would recommend, I would recommend keep up the great work. And uh, she calls it a great podcast. Thank you so much. Trick of one eight six. I certainly will. Uh, I, I appreciate the love, the support and the uh, reviews and please keep them coming. They, each of these individuals gave me a five star and if you write a review, uh, let me know where it's at um, or it says send it straight to my email. I will read it uh, to, to, to those out there. So I want to say thank you uh, so much, so much for that. Um, and also, finally, as a last uh, important note is uh, that uh, I have just completed a book. It's actually at the publishers. The name of the book is Police Reform. The subtitle is A Retired Police Captain's Perspective on the Evolution of Law Enforcement in America and how to improve the criminal justice system. I know it's a pretty lengthy subtitle, um, but I thought I, we, we really wanted to get in there the information 
uh, um, about what you know what you can expect by reading the book. Not completely an academic book. All, you know, most of the citations and everything like that are going to be from uh, newspaper clippings and articles and YouTube's and things like that. I didn't want to make it a super academic book. I want something that's readable that people can remember, and most importantly, that you can at your own leisure go look up and say, "Hey, you know what? There was an article about this." Now, just because there was an article doesn't mean it's it's, it's the truth. I'm just trying to give a basis uh, for my perspective as to what's going on. So uh, I talk a little bit about my life, my journey uh, to law enforcement, what I saw that was right with law enforcement, and of course, what I saw that was wrong with law enforcement and how I think that we can best go about bridging the divide between the police and the communities that they serve. So having said that, please be on the lookout for the book. It's at the publishers, as I mentioned, about four, five, six weeks or so, uh, it'll be ready for publication. I really wanted to try to get this out for Christmas. Um, if I can get it any sooner, then I certainly will. And um, I'm going to have some copies myself. And I'm also it's also going to be on Barnes and Noble, uh, Amazon and in any place that you, uh, you should be able to purchase a book. It should be in those different locations. So enough of that. Uh, let's get into the episode. And to, for today's episode, I am a guest on the T3P podcast. That stands for the third perspective. T3P podcast. Uh, they wanted to come on. And these individuals, uh, these brothers did not uh, have any type of liking for police. And they made it very clear, <laughs> very known that they did not like police. Um, so we had a great conversation. And if we, it, it just proves that we people can just talk to each other and we can learn some things. So without ladies, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is my guest appearance on the T3P podcast. So our first guest on the uh, Third Perspective podcast is retired officer, Captain Lawrence Hunter. He began his uh, law enforcement career in 1995, retired. I think uh, 2019, if I'm not mistaken. So I, I bring him on here so he can uh, make sure the facts are right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, but so I, I just want to make sure all the audience uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, welcome Lawrence Hunter in to the Third Perspective Podcast. What it do? What it do? How you doing, man? Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I appreciate you stopping past. You know? It's a, a, an important topic that the black culture has been discussing for years, but right now it's at the peak where we have a divide, really. I think it's a divide in, in our culture and in, in the age. The older we are and the younger we are, it's a different attitude and a different perspective on cops. So, now, I, I naturally never talked to cops other than we was in a situation where, you know, those type of situations where we meet up, you know? But other than that, I never had a conversation with a cop before. Right. I don't like police, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm a dope dealer. I'm a former dope dealer, you know what I'm saying? And now I'm just a, a business owner, you know? But I respect people that give respect to me, you know what I'm saying? So whether it's a cop or not. I just, in general, respect people that respect me. Now, if you're a cop and don't show any respect, which is 90% of the cops that pull black people over, there's no respect at all, and you're expected, they're expecting you to treat them as if they're your father or your grandfather or your mother. Like, you can't say nothing to them type stuff. Like, and 
that's the only part of the game I don't like where police officers think you're not supposed to talk to them at all. So as an officer, when, when you on your, I know you retired now, I understand that part. But when you was uh, in the beat, was you on the, um, in the streets or? Yeah, I did my. Let you uh, introduce yourself and explain your career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks once again for for having me. As you mentioned, I am Lawrence Hunter. I'm a retired police captain uh, from Connecticut. Uh, I did 24 years in the department. Uh, like I said, I retired the rank of captain. The majority of the time I was spent uh, in patrol. That means that I was uh, on the beat, you know, either walking the beat or driving around in the cars, answering calls for service, things like that. Uh, so, uh, I got promoted to sergeant, lieutenant, uh, and then captain. And for a while, as captain, I was over our internal affairs uh, division. Um, and so, after after that uh, stint, I went back to the midnight shift uh, commander, and uh, that is where I retired uh, in February 2019. So you were correct in the date. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So when you retired, was that that was you wanted to retire, or it was just time for you to go, or what was that? Well. Um, I did not want to retire, uh, in all actuality, I, uh, actually had some medical issues. I ended up having a triple bypass. Uh, you know, I had three clogged uh, arteries in my uh, heart. Uh, so, uh, so they you know, did that. Yeah. Well, well, thanks. <laughs> so I did the, you know, I did the surgery, um, and it was so much going on with, uh, with that particular part of my life that, uh, you know, and there were some changes that were coming in the department and, uh, it was obvious that, uh, to me that I wasn't going to go any further or any higher. And I, I don't say that, you know, begrudgingly It's probably one of mm-hmm. the best things that happened. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm still young. Um, and, uh, I decided to, to call it quits. So, so me as, you know, like I told you, what, me personally, I would never think about being a police officer, but I want you to take the opportunity to give your pitch for why to be a police officer. Why, why, what made you be a police officer? Yeah, so I kind of, uh, I'll answer that first in, in two parts here. First, uh, I, uh, I mean, I kind of grew up watching cop shows and, and, and everything like that. So, I mean, I grew up in the 80s. Uh, and you were right. I became a police officer in 1995. So growing up in the eighties, I watched shows like law and order cops was, was a really big show. So I watched shows like that. Um, and I did not have any negative interactions with the police. So I'm like, you know what? They, they made an announcement at my church. I was, I was uh, fairly young, 21 or 20 or 21 or something like that. They made an announcement. So I said, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a shot. I ended up taking a test passing and became a police officer. Um, so that was, that was how I became a police officer. Um, let me, let me really get dive into why people should become police officers. I understand that we are in a very difficult, uh, time right now. Uh, you know, relations are probably at an all time low since the 1960s, maybe even lower than that. In all honesty, uh, I think there's a lot that's brewing. Um, but I think that people, particularly African-Americans should really understand what, what they're saying when they say people should not become police officers or black people should not become police officers. That means somebody's going to do the job. Who's going to do it? Who's going to step in there and fill that void, that gap? If it's not going to be persons like myself who, and I heard you all uh, talk, talking a little bit before about, um, you know, and the, the lack of respect that you all have for police and police who don't do the right thing and don't stand up and everything like that. Well, I can assure you that none of that kind of foolishness was going on when I was an officer, um, you know, that, that just wasn't, it wasn't the case. As I moved up the ranks, 
become a sergeant, lieutenant, captain, I can I have a bigger and larger platform and larger say and and what does what who does what where they go where they're assigned and how they talk to people and and, and I investigate their calls sign off on their reports, so I would make my pitch and say you need more officers like myself uh, who are dedicated to justice, seeing our community do well, dedicated to uplift. Uh, not only was I a police officer, but I coached in our police activity league, so I was active in the community. Uh, and so I think that you need people. You, I, I'll say it and I'll stress it again. You need people who are going to have that mindset and say, you know what, we cannot allow these other people who don't understand us to police our communities. We need people who look like us, who understand us, and who are sensitive to our needs to police our communities. And again, if we don't do it, then we are setting ourselves up for failure and setting ourselves up for worse, uh, avenue, uh, uh, worse problems. And I'll finish off with this. Not only must we take the test become police officers, but I believe one of the gentlemen said that uh, we're not doing anything. People just want it for, for an easy ride, for an easy paycheck. I agree with that. You see all kinds of different people. You have to move up the ranks. Like I said, I became a sergeant, a lieutenant, a captain, become a deputy chief, become the chief of police. The, the doors are open. We see all these different chiefs in all these different towns and all these different places all across America. They're sitting on the, on the, on the boards. You have to move up the ranks and you have to be a change maker. And that, you, you, as a podcast host, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to be change makers, trying to be influencers. I'm doing the same thing with my podcast. I'm trying to be a change maker, be an influencer, get people to, to step up and, and step out. That sounds good. <clears throat> Jay, Rip. Hello. Yeah, one step in. Um, you briefly mentioned that you were a part of IA. Mm -hmm. um, normally, that's IA is the one that goes after the in-house. Like you get on other cops, right? Like your that's investigating group. That's correct. Yes. Yes. So, I so I can't think that you would be much like once you're seeking other officers and doing wrong. Well, you you know, this that's a really good question. Really good point. So in, internal affairs is the division uh, that uh, investigates all the police officers. And you really have to have a good department. And I brag about my department. Matter of fact, I had a former chief call me up and say, listen, stop bragging about, about us. We had our problems. And I said to him, listen, uh, it's the fact that we had problems and we dealt with the problems. We didn't sweep things under the rug. Um, we, we, we confronted those issues. We put things in the paper. We called the paper up before they, uh, you know, found out about things. I, I attribute that. I attribute that to uh, our mayor, current mayor today, uh, uh, who was the former chief of police. His name is Neil O'Leary, uh, who was very much uh, very uh, uh, proactive as far as getting bad officers off the street and embarrassing the Waterbury Police Department. Uh, and then he set a tone, he set a culture, which was followed up in the chief who called me and was followed up in the current chief that, that is there right now. So um, once I sat in IA, it was understood that, listen, we're going to do, to do what we have to do. And we fired officers, we suspended officers uh, and, and during my short time in IA. And even before I got to IA, we suspended officers, we fired officers. I personally wrote people up and I personally submitted uh, uh, reports that that caused officers to lose their jobs. I've done it a, a number of times. Um, so my chair keeps falling down here. So I, I understand what you're saying. And I understand that that you know, police officers really have a bad reputation for internal affairs uh, departments who don't do their job, who are good old boys. Um, but 
I have to really brag once again in my department because we we said we're not going to have that. We're not going to be embarrassed, have our names in the paper for foolishness. Now, we had our names in the paper, but it's because we got out in front of things and because we, we did not uh, allow things to fester, sweep things under the rug, allow corruption to run rampant and everything like that. So. That sounds good. Well, uh, <clears throat> Connecticut is not, not a heavy... Uh, Black population there, right? <laughs> well, I think Connecticut gets a bad reputation uh, a lot of times. Waterbury, <laughs> Connecticut, <laughs> Waterbury, Connecticut is a, I mean, as far as minority population, I had a friend who went away to the military, uh, and uh, when he went to the military, uh, they said to him, uh, uh, ain't no black people in Connecticut. He's like, hey, what are you talking about? I'm from Connecticut. He's like, well, yeah, you left. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, um, so, yeah. So, uh, New Haven, Connecticut, Waterbury, Connecticut, Danbury, Connecticut, Hartford, Connecticut, Bridgeport, uh, Connecticut. Uh, Hartford these got the largest population of black people. Right? What's that? Hartford. It's the largest uh, population. I think I want to say Bridgeport, but I'm not sure percentage wise. But uh, Bridgeport is actually the largest city. People think it's Hartford, but it's actually as far as population, it's actually Bridgeport. And then Hartford. Then once again, Hart, uh, Waterbury, Stamford. These are all really large uh, cities, and you know, large for Connecticut. You know, hundreds of you know, hundred thousand, hundred and fifteen. I think Bridgeport has one hundred fifty or one hundred sixty thousand people. Um, so it's you know, uh, and and then of course there's a large African American as well as Hispanic population there. Uh, so we're also, you know, an hour and a half from New York City. I get a lot of the problems that come down from New York City uh, and mm -hmm. uh, Waterbury I'm talking about, and also two hours from Boston. So we're right in the middle between Boston and uh, New York. So we, we, we see all the different problems and we have a large uh, uh, population. So when people think about Connecticut, these ritzy towns like Rotten or uh, Mystic or uh, Greenwich, um, uh, yeah, those places are, are largely white. But believe me, there's a lot of black people living in Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so y'all, y'all ain't have any like police shootings, deaths? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we just had one, I think, last summer. Uh, we had a, there was a one in Weathersfield. There was one back to back. One in Weathersfield. There was another one that was uh, uh, in. Um, uh, I think there was a, a police, a state police chase, and then the been a shootout. Uh, I forget the town that was. I think that was. They ended up in Wallingford, Connecticut. Um, there was another one with an, uh, New Haven. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one, uh, um, it was a police officer, uh, from Hamden, Connecticut, who went into New Haven, Connecticut, bordering, bordering cities, and then ended up getting in the shootout there. He, he shouldn't have been there. And I, matter of fact, that was, I believe it was the two officers that were involved with that were black officers, black Hamden officer and a black New Haven police officer. So that ended up being really, really big news. It was on CNN and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so, so yeah, we have our problems. There are shootings, um, and we have every single problem that that every. I mean, it's listen. It's the police, and we're all people. Uh, so you know, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this. When okay, so when is it the right time for a police officer to pull a gun out? So uh, that unfortunately, that is a, that is a problem that is one of perception. Uh, I, there's many situations where people pull their guns out that I don't, that I would not have pulled my gun out. I've talked about this in my podcast. I've talked about it in different blogs that I've written. Um, and so, you know, I think that there is a scariness, <laughs> scariness that's going on, a scaredness uh, that's going on, uh, with officers. Um, and I, and I attribute that to lack of training or lack of uh, effective training that is not taking hold where officers are going to the gun 
before they try their taser, before they try to baton, before they try to talk and de-escalate, they're automatically going to the guns. There's a, probably a lot of reasons behind that, but uh, but that that becomes part of the problem. Now, do you think this varies from state to state? Because here in D.C., the guns come out immediately. It's yeah. Uh, so so um, I do think it varies state to state. I think that. Um, there's an overarching there's overarching court rulings about when police officers can use force and use deadly force and so that becomes so wide wide and then not only is is there overarching court cases but then you get to these different states who have different prosecutors different jurisdictions mm -hmm. and the way that they interpret these laws and different uh, uh court rulings and so that becomes a problem so i and, and i think that that's a huge problem because in here in connecticut the way that i think i would probably would not pull my gun in this situation but now i go to tennessee i'm just kind of throwing that out there any state you know arkansas tennessee montana doesn't really matter and they have a different set of rules regulations how they interpret things and i, I could have a gun drawn on me and I think that that's scary. People don't know I'm a cop, right? I've got this Detroit hat on. I got a I got a beard now. You know, people may not know that that I'm a that I'm a retired police officer. So so I, I understand. I understand uh, the the fear that that people have. And I wish that we could and should, as a society, demand that our law legislature uh, members would uh, hone in and really kind of isolate when officers can and cannot pull their weapon. Unfortunately, uh, uh, the Events in the field, in the street, happen so fast and so rapid uh, that, uh, you know, people, the officers pull their guns because they don't want to be scared, because they don't want to be hurt, injured, fired at, uh, or, or mistaken, right? And there's a mindset that th this guy's got something in his hand. He's not listening to, to my demands. He's running around the car to, and going to get in the car, uh, as we saw with the Jacobs case. Um, and so the officers think, I got I to gotta do something. What, what do I What do? I do? Right? Well, we have to think de-escalation. Maybe we should tackle this guy before we, I know he, I, I can see his hands. Maybe I should tackle him now before he actually gets into the car instead of just doing it. And I understand there was a fight before and they couldn't control him and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it, it becomes very difficult to answer that type of question as when the officers can. Um, and and I, I am also frustrated by that as well. Um, Rip, yeah, I had uh, chime in real quick. I mean, I, I, I'm hearing you and, I, and I'm following you, but when you said more black people need to want to join, I think that's a positive solution, but the other is for them not to be trained to fear us. So I'll ask you this. How do you approach a Caucasian person as to well uh, African-American or Hispanic person? Because it feels like to me, they already on guard and when they see us compared to a Caucasian person who could do the same thing, run to the car, but won't get shot. They would think to solve it differently than they would African-American, and that's the common trend. And that needs to be addressed more, not just who joins. They need to be trained better to know that this black man is not going to only hurt you. He's going to hurt you just as much as this Caucasian man is. And all I see is we're the, the greatest threat ever, but this Caucasian person who's going to do the same thing, because a, a criminal is a criminal. Color shouldn't matter, but it don't work that way. And that's my greatest disagreement with police officers. They don't see the crime or the criminal. They just see the color. So I'm already on guard. I'm already got my hand on my pistol as soon as I walk up to the car. So if I say, hi, officer, what you put me over for? He already, why, no, give me this, give me this. He's already barking the man. As to a Caucasian who could be a governor, aide, or something like that to get his job snatched, he will not do that. And that needs to be addressed United States-wide because it ain't just that city, that state. It's all of them do that the same way. 
you fear a Caucasian more because he could be the one that you know or he could get your job pulled. And so African American, you devalue our life. And that's my whole point I'm trying to make. But I just want to hear your solution to that. If you understand how I place the question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I understand. So there, there's a lot, there's a different tiers to that particular point. Uh, so I think that the first thing is, is I agree with you that there is a fear. Uh, I know people take hits for this, and I'll probably take hits for this, but I think that there is an inherent fear of black males. Um, and so I think that that's just the way that it is. And I don't think that that's isolated to uh, African-American officers or, or to white officers. I think that African-Americans also suffer that. I was an implicit bias instructor. So implicit bias means that we talk about exactly what you're saying. Why do we approach certain people in different ways? Why do we uh, talk to them certain ways? Um, what, are, what is our thought process when we see a black face or, and or white face and or someone who's maybe uh, uh, of the member of the LGBT community, right? So implicit bias doesn't just deal with race. It deals with a number of things. People have, a, have an affinity for people who are taller. Right. So they or more beautiful. Right. So they will get better service in restaurants and and, and, and they get uh, uh, better service in, in hospitals. So this is not just something that was relegated to a police officer. So I, so I think that we need to understand that. And so I think that one of the biggest things that officers need to become familiar with their communities too many times. Again, we got people who live in a, in a suburb part of town or a suburb part of the state and then become police officers and police uh, in inner city have no interaction with people. I uh, don't know what they are, who they are, how they interact, how they speak in, 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 in their culture. Uh, so I think that having more officers uh, can help having better trained officers, having more black officers, Hispanic officers who can help understand the culture. Now, I would be very clear about this, that black officers can be guilty of brutality uh, and uh, going above and beyond as well. So just because you're black and become police officer doesn't mean that this stuff stops. As I mentioned before, I'm going to be very, very clear about this, is that we need officers who think like me. You can, you can be a white officer, think like me, and just think about the community. And if, if, as long as you approach people with dignity, respect, as you mentioned, and don't have this inherent fear of people uh, and don't have uh, your, you know, always approaching people with your hand under your gun, uh, then you, we, we can really make some strides. So I think it's going to take understanding implicit bias, understanding and confronting racism nationally uh, and, and better training, more training. Uh, and I think that those are some of the things that we can do. But I think that fam familiarization with each other, getting to know people, I think officers need to spend time in the community walking out as i mentioned i coached right so if an officer who's even from a white community goes out and coaches then he knows the kids in those communities he knows or if he walks around his park on his beat instead of running people's names all the time if you just walk through the park shoot hoops with the kid play chess with the kids uh you know just talk to the kids then you know that this is johnny and Johnny may have some issues or whatever, but I understand where he's coming from. And so that makes a big difference, getting to know your community. So those are some of the biggest things that we can do to stem this high. Now, when I was coming up, it, it was it was different then because police officers were more into the community than when I was coming up, like in the 80s. Mm. They were more walking around. Right. Right. I, I, I agree with you. I um, so, so that was a program that we tried to implement. Unfortunately, we were too busy to do that, right? To, we, in our program we were going to implement was getting the officers out of a car at least for half an hour a day, uh, go out into the community and just talk, just talk to people. Unfortunately, we got too busy and we weren't able to do that. I went on vacation uh, one time. I tell the story a lot. I went on vacation one time uh, and um, I ran, in, ran into a, a minister from uh, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania. 
And so he was talking to me exactly and said to me exactly what you said. You know, he missed the days and times when officers were walking around on the beat because they knew the people. And so I said, listen, I, I understand. Um, and this is this is a problem. I think that uh, along those lines, in order to get to get a people uh, officers back out to the street, what we should do is what is is being proposed. And that is some form of defunding. Now, let me explain that before people think I just want to defund the police. I don't want to defund the police. <laughs> I, want, I, I, I want to. But 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 I think that there's some merit to what people are saying. The police officers are overtaxed. Police officers are responding to 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 things that they don't have to respond to. Police, um, mental health crises, uh, 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 homeless persons, uh, things like that. If we scale back on the things that police officers are responding to and send social workers, then we can have the police officers get back out into the community and interact with people and focus on law enforcement. Uh, a domestic violence call uh, in Connecticut, I don't know if this goes on in other states, but our domestic violence procedures became so long and so convoluted. Uh, so somebody gets a domestic violence complaint, and let's just say the man was beating up the woman and then the man took off. Well, now the the procedures that we had to follow was, okay, well, we had to uh, have the woman fill out paperwork, ask them these specific questions. It was called a lethality assessment. How How... How dangerous is this situation that you're in? Do we need to get you sheltered? Do we need to get you placed somewhere else? So that that that's taking time away uh, from actually looking for the guy. We got to ask this guy, okay. ask this lady this question. And then the next thing was we had to have uh, we had to make a phone call to a particular hotline. Uh, had the woman get on the phone, talk to these people, and that's more time that the officer is dealing. Now I'm not saying none of this is important. I'm not trying to diminish. Uh, the uh, the role of law enforcement in dealing with with um, domestic violence. Domestic violence is obviously very important. But I but I've just illustrated the time that the officer is not is not looking for this particular person who just beat this woman up, and he's not uh, uh, getting back out and patrolling and, and doing his, his business. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that maybe if if the officer responds, starts starts this, and he does his criminal investigation, have a have a counselor come in and take care of the rest of that. Now that is going to call for 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 counselors to be working 24 hours a day because you know you can't wait till 2 a.m. You know you gotta have a counselor on, on staff. So these are things that people need to walk work out. And when, this is what they're saying when they say defund the police, take that take that away from the police, and then pay counselors to do those types of things that I just laid out. So I think that that th those types of things would get officers back out into the street. So that's that's a different way to use the word defund. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just want people to understand that, that people aren't just saying, you know, uh, uh, just, you know, the Stop New York paying. City has has a billion dollar, uh, you know, billion, whatever, six billion dollars cut in half. Well, that's good. That's that's nonsensical. Yeah. So let's let's focus on other things. Let's put it towards other things. That's what they mean. And that's what I interpret when I hear defund the police. Jay. Um, yeah. My thing is, OK. What about if. You know, go to the community, something go down. Um, depending what happens, you use a, a specific type of force towards a problem, right? Like if it's like a, a taser problem, taser person. If it's a shooting problem, shooting with limbs. Uh, not in the head or nothing like that or put a bag over your head, depending what problem it is, how would you think if they take the force into another matter, right? 
and then they get punished for it. Do you believe that mandatory police sentencing would be the answer to what's going on with the police now, like as far as using bad or excessive force? I definitely believe that the lack of action by prosecutors uh, and I wouldn't even say juries, courts, right? The juries are acquitting many of these officers. Um, so it's been the lack of action that has, uh, uh, has caused many of these particular problems. If back in 2014, uh, the situation, uh, Eric Garner, uh, when he said he can't breathe, if the officers would have been held accountable uh, and really faced some, some, some punishment, Legally, um, the officers, every officer would have had a different mindset when somebody tells you that they can't breathe. And so we would not have had George Floyd if, uh, it, it's, my, it's my opinion, we would not have had George Floyd if Daniel Pantaleo uh, in the Eric Garner situation. And so many of these other prosecutors, many of these other uh, jurisdictions, juries, uh, and that's another thing that I think that black people got to do is sit on jury, stop trying to get out of jury duty, sit on jury. So yeah. you can be, you, you can have a voice in what's going on. Um, so you have to be a part of the, of, of this particular process. So to answer your question, I think that people have, we have to hold our law enforcement officers, uh, guilty when they do something wrong, when they do something wrong. And I'm not always convinced that they're doing something that officers do something wrong, but when they do, we got to hold them. We got to hold them, and not you know two or three years in prison. You got to send them to jail for quite some time. Quite some time. Yeah, you got to send a message. You got to send a message. Absolutely, absolutely. So, like, we just recently had an incident in D.C. Southeast. I'm uh, not sure if you're familiar with the incident. I'm sure, man. But um, his name Dion K. Um, apparently. I mean, in the video, they said he had a gun, but it didn't look like he did in the, in the police in the police camp. But it seemed like he just the officer just got out of the car, ran to the spot with gun already in the hand, and shot the guy in the chest. Um, but then when they retrieved the gun, it was like probably about fifty yards. All the way across the But they also didn't show it on his body cam either, so. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing it's there. But um, how would you feel if, you know, if, if that officer, you know, had did the right thing, either tased him or what would you think? What was, what, what was his best ideal plan for that particular situation. So, if you don't know, um, it had an incident in here in D.C. a couple of days ago where the police officer shot a uh, little boy. <clears throat> I'm going to show it to you. Okay. Yes, please, because I'm not familiar with this. I know they're going to mess around block my job. But yeah, I'm going to show you this real quick. Um, so this goes to really what we're saying. It's like, when is it time to pull your gun out? When is it time for you to shoot? That's what makes us, we don't understand that part. Like, the guns come out faster than anything. Don't move! Don't move, don't move, don't move! 
Good shot, shot's fire, shot's fire. Where is it? Where is it? I don't know, I'm looking for the gun. He's up there. I did. Where, yeah, where's the, hey. Canvas. Where? Where? Down this way? He threw it. Yeah. There's no way he threw it all the way down there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Is anybody else standing? Uh, one. This way. It's like all the way down. It still ain't fine. But I, I gotta find it. Yeah. Why you should? I ain't really looking at it all the way through. That's my first time Where is it? Where is it? Wait, wait. Deadly force, though. Hey, hey, I got it. What? Yeah, it's all the way down around court. <laughs> okay, so, uh, so, yeah, so that's the first time I've seen it. I, I mean, what happens in juries and in courts is they're going to break this down frame by frame and everything like that. So, uh, I don't know, and maybe you all know the the dispatch calls. So things that are are happening before the radio. What was the radio call? I'm assuming that they were dispatched. And what happens when when the radio call comes in is, um, you you get prepared, uh, to 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 meet whatever challenges are are ahead of you. So if you get a call about somebody waving a gun or shooting in a in a in an area like that, then you're going to go in prepared. Uh, so I don't have a problem with that. Uh, and you know you want to get to the scene. Uh, so I see him running. Now, it's difficult uh, from this perspective to see where, uh, how far the officer was from the guy. Could he have ducked behind cover and said, hey, listen, show me your hand. Stop moving, as he, as he attempted to say. Uh, that would have to be broken down. Um, so to answer your question, when is it all okay to pull your gun? Well, I'm going to pull, if I get a call that there's shots fired, once again, I don't know what was going on in that particular dispatch call, but if I get a call that shots fired and the guy's wearing a white T-shirt and blue jeans, I think that's what the guy's wearing, um, I'm going to have my gun out, okay, you know, but I, I may not press the issue. Again, this comes down to, and I hate to give, you know, willy-nilly willy answers, but I may react in a different way than someone else. I may not press the issue, okay, somebody's running around here, let's let's find this person, right, it's daylight, let's use it, let's use tactics to our advantage, let's try to, let's try to surround this guy, set up a perimeter, and just try to flush him out. Depend, depending on the call and the situation, right? So that would be a different procedure than an active shooter, someone who's in a school shooting up a school. You want to get in there and get to them. So in this particular situation, I don't hear any shots when I get out of the car. I'm, li I'm listening for shots, okay? You know, but again, I, you know, I don't. We gotta wait and see all that's going to all that's going to happen. Um, so I hate to give willing nilly answers. I know that a lot of times people kind of officers in these positions try to straddle the fence, but I don't know what happened before the call. It's difficult to see what's going on in that particular camera angle. Uh, I would assume that they would get other other person's body camera footage, maybe even video cameras from from the uh, uh, from the complex there. So all that has to be taken into consideration. It, it was immediate run towards him. 
Right. And then I have a problem with that. Listen, I, I, I have a problem. I'm going to be honest with you. I have a problem with that. I don't, I don't think it's always necessary to press the issue. Once again, depending on the call that's coming in, we've got a party running with a gun through, through a apartment complex. Okay, well, let's let's get out. Let's let's try to maneuver. Where was the last place he was seen? Let's mm -hmm. not push the issue, right? Because I could come around a corner and I could get shot because I I, I don't see him. So mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not going to push the the issue because of my own safety and because of his safety, right? Uh, you know, so you have so different officers would approach this differently. Again, this comes down to tactics. This comes down to training. I was not a a. Um, uh, uh, firearms instructor, but I was a uh, use of force instructor, a defensive tactics instructor. So I would have told people, let's let's slow it down, let's let's work methodically, let's get this guy. But I don't also want to say that this officer was immediately wrong. So I, I, I know it's a it's kind you of know, a, a hedge in your bet kind of answer, but that's the best I can do. I mean, my my thesis is they get out the car with a whole lot of adrenaline flowing already. Uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's right, and I think that that's good. It is a situation; it's a fight or flight situation. You are there, we have been called to protect. You don't expect people to get out the car, start yawning and stretching and stuff. Listen, <laughs> we want them to get there. We pay these people to go there, get this job done, to go into situations. Police officers are running into a situation that everybody else is running away from. So keep that in mind. So your adrenaline is flowing, and it's good that it flows, and it's going to help you to, to focus on what's going on. So I don't have a problem with that. I do understand that sitting here in a, in a nice studio in your homes or wherever, that it may present a problem as we look back on it and say, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? Hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Money morning quarterbacks always always make the best decisions. But... To get out of the car, listen. I was I sat in the I sat in the job for 24 years. My heart thumped when I heard these calls. When when we had baby dead babies, when we had car accidents, when we had shootings, uh, I you know you know I had a, I was, right before I retired. I had a shootout that was going on right in front of me. I was a blacked out car. Nobody knew I was the police captain, and people they're shooting right over me. I'm like, what the hell, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So 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 these things happen, and my adrenaline flows. And so when these these calls come in on the radio, when these calls come in on the radio. Your adrenaline starts flowing because your body is preparing you for what we call fight or flight. And so we're paying them to go into it. We're not paying cops to run away or take or, or take your time and get in there. We want them to get there and deal with the situation. Well, um, um, back to what you said a little bit earlier and to us getting more involved into the system. And I've learned this lately. The more you read into it and start to really discover how it works, the angrier is going to make a person of color feel and minority feel because you realize how much power the cops really have. Like, rather was educating me, y'all union enables y'all to get away, uh, not get away with, um, use it to y'all advantage so well that even if you're caught wrong, it's something in there that can magically get you out of it to where they can't convict you. Even if they know you blatantly wrong and that's frustrating for me because I'd rather say he's been, he been educating me on the union a lot lately. And I know y'all union was this powerful and some of that has to be scaled back. Some of this you guys can manipulate shouldn't be that way. You serve and I know it sucks sometimes to serve and you don't get the appreciation you does, but it is a choice. And I feel the people who are choosing to do this, they want applause for it. They want to be appreciate it more. We get that. Sometimes we don't, but you got to understand, we're ordinary people and we do ordinary jobs as well. And we don't get appreciated for our job. We just we go to work. We lunch pail people. That's what police are. And But I think they don't want to serve as much. But I didn't know your union was that powerful to where 
it can really get you out of a lot of crap. And and again, more I learn about the system, and I've been learning a lot about it lately because we do a, a very range of topics on our podcast. So as Robert said, I'm trying to get more educated with it. I'm angry. I read with another person and another race to get away with, and we can't. It's frustrating, and you saying, and I'm telling you, if people really look into it, go do your history, look into it, and all the stuff that's been getting washed under the rug and pushed to the side and not convicted on, you're going to be outrageous, and that's where the anger is coming from. I don't want you to think I'm angry at all police, because you have really enlightened me with this topic today. But the system itself is my problem, and that really needs to be addressed, because it wasn't made for us, and it is showing. It's doing what it's supposed to do. It is not meant to protect us. Well, I think that that uh, your point is is well taken about the unions. Uh, people have been addressing that for quite some time. That power uh, needs to be taken away from the unions. Uh, contracts need to be opened up, and 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 all that. Uh, we used to joke about that all the time. When I, as an officer, right, we we would say that uh, you know our union is protecting people who are complete idiots who are who are embarrassing <laughs> our department. Um, we we we. we uh, Good officers understand that. Um, you know, we, there's officers, as you mentioned, there are slugs uh, who who don't do anything, and the and they get written up. When I was, you know, I was a sergeant, lieutenant, I write them up for for whatever, and the union's backing them, right? So, so this, uh, you know, this is crazy, right? And this this taints all officers, right? So we we try to do something about that. So unions are a problem, uh, and and I don't want the unions to go away. I don't, uh, I, but I think that the, that their power needs to be taken away. Uh, they need to to fight for the things that are that are truly worth fighting for what that means what that what that can be i don't know i think the unions uh are good i, I wish that unions were stronger in other industries right uh, I, when i was a young kid i worked i worked at the stop and shop and i can remember you know we almost did a strike uh, because 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 our union wasn't and I'm I'm like listen I want to get paid I'm I'm a little I was like a 16 year old kid I'm like listen I want to get paid I, I want to go to work and buy some clothes for school what are you talking about you know? <laughs> so so yeah so so I I think that other unions need to be need to be strong I believe in I believe in in the, str the strength of numbers and strength of union over over uh, you know corporate interests and all that but uh, but in police world it, it, it is a very strong union um, and so uh, I, I hear you on that I really do. How you feel about the, the George Floyd bill? The George Floyd what? The George Floyd bill. Bill? Uh, okay, so it, enlighten me about that. Which some, which of those, mean? some of the bills, the police police brutality bill, they have yeah. impact. Yeah. So um, I, I I think that um, I like some of the measures that they're that they're talking about, right? They want to defund the police or strip down the police in Minneapolis and banning chokeholds and and and, and, and a lot of things. Um, police officers have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, here's the thing about about qualified immunity. It's really available to all public. Uh, you know, em employees, right? So if you're a teacher and you do something, not just, I mean, not just, you know, if you strike a student, but if you do something, you, you can be, you, you can get, have some kind of qualified immunity. So, so I, I, I think that, that we can do, we can get to where we want to get to. We can have fairness and partiality. We can get police officers to be good without stripping away everything, uh, that the police officers can do now they tried to do something in Congress you know the representative or state yeah the state senate or the, the senator u s senator Tim Scott from South Carolina tried to write a bill it didn't go through there is such a resistance to uh to from people who 
want the system to continue on, who say things like stop resisting the police, stop running away from the police and you won't get shot, stop fighting with police. Uh-huh. That, 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 that segment is so that strong. Is yeah. Right, right, right. That segment in there is so strong. But the other thing is, too, is you got to understand that a lot of white people are being killed as well. I mean, what more white people get killed. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's the thing that people don't understand. Yeah. So, yeah. so we got to address this to help them as well, right? So if police are overstepping their bounds, they're overstepping their bounds, whether it's white, black, Hispanic, Asian, uh, you know, they're overstepping their bounds. If there's police corruption in an organization, uh, it's police corruption that's going to hurt every single person. So that has to be looked at. Uh, from the from the public as well. Well, anything y'all want to say? Uh-huh. Um, so, back what you just now said about organization within and the organization, basically, um, do you feel as though it's like a lot of them, like quote unquote underground KKK members or? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually have someone uh, coming up on my podcast. He's going to talk about that. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that episode. Um, So we don't know how many there are. We do know that that is a problem. Uh, It was told to us by the FBI 2006, 2015, I want to say, or 2011. Either 2011 or 2015, there was another memo by the uh, Department of Homeland Security. They talked about the same thing, uh, uh, you know, white supremacists infiltrating law enforcement. Uh, in the military, right? So that, that's another, That's listen, that's another reason. When I hear people say that black people shouldn't join the military or that black people shouldn't join uh, the police, white, then you're, you're leaving the door open for white supremacists to do this. And, and they, they're doing it because they want access to information, access to weapons, access to training. Mm-hmm. Training. So listen, listen I, I'm going to step out on the limb here. <laughs> we can't allow white supremacists to have all this training. You, 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 you can't. Um, so listen, I want to get along as, ra- as a race, as a country. I really do. I, I, I have nothing against white people. I have nothing against Hispanic people. I love black people, but we got to protect ourselves and we cannot allow other people to stack up on all this training and we have nothing to get all this information and we have nothing. So we got to be able to protect ourselves. So how many KKK members are in, are infiltrating police? We have no idea. Uh, we know that's a problem. And I think that police departments should do a better job as to rooting those people out, go through their social media uh, and check their tattoos uh, and, and do what they have to do to to root these people out uh, because because it's a problem. And I would say any any supremacist. I'm not just going to say KKK members. I don't want I'm going to be honest. I don't want a black supremacist uh, going in there hating white people to become a cop either. I don't want that either. Right. Because that you're there to serve and protect and do your job fairly and efficiently. So we can't replace uh, one problem with another problem. So let's let's all get along. Let's all love each other. Let's really try to be a, 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 a country that that's united. I, now, I know it's a make, long, I know it's a long way off, but <laughs> you make a good point with the uh, the training and all the technical things they they learn it. And they're, t- they're they're saying they're saying on their website. They say on their website. This is why we want to join. And, and and black people are gonna sit back and say, I'm not gonna I'm gonna allow these people to have it. I'm not gonna do it. Nah, 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 nah. Listen, you. I want to be very clear what I'm saying. I want anybody to take this off and say, you know, join the police just because you want to, uh, you know, uh, start a race war or whatever. I'm saying to join for the right reason to have to have uh, 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 fairness about you, impartiality, and do it to protect your community because you love 
because you love your neighbor and do it for the right reason. Um, and I don't want white supremacists to be in the law enforcement who are going to uh, to do whatever they're going to do. And by the way, they're not just inf infiltrating the police and military, but they're trying to get into politics. They're becoming teachers. They're becoming lawyers, defending, defending white supremacists. So we got to move up in every single aspect of life. Come, become a lawyer, become a doctor, become, uh, 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 you know, podcast host, doctors, move up in, and in, in all hospitals too. Yeah. The doctors, yeah. Nurses, the, the, you know, uh, all these, all these types of things move up in society. Don't be afraid to move up in society. You, my friend are, are, uh, talked about your, your past, uh, and now your podcast host talking about certain things. Now having a conversation for the first time, police officer, that is growth that's maturity. And that is what we need people to say there's, there's something different out there that we should have and that we could have. And so we need to, to embrace that. Well, I would tell you, I appreciate Oh, yeah. Good. Um, so I got one more after this. One last. One. All right. I hear where you're coming from, but I feel as though some of this, the federal government can shut down. If they can destroy the Black Panther Party, they can destroy the KKK. And my fault, what I feel is though, they not, they don't want to. They don't see white supremacy as a problem, and that's my issue. You know what I'm saying? And I I 100% agree with you. They should have done these things. Like I said, the FBI told us this in 2006. Yeah. They told us again. Uh, DHS told us this uh, in uh, 2011 or 2015, whenever that memo came out. And this has been going... Last year, I believe it was, they had two hearings on white supremacists, the rise of white supremacists. The greatest, terrorist th the greatest terrorist threat that this country faces is not from Middle Eastern uh, uh, persons. No. It's from white... Homegrown domestic terrorists who shot up the the, the uh, Pittsburgh uh, synagogue, uh, the, uh, Texas, uh, the church in in South Carolina is white homegrown, and they should crack down. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about it. Um, and and I, I don't have an answer for you. And they refused. They had two hearings about it, and, and they had black people in those hearings saying this is not a problem. This is not a big problem. Yeah, what? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They couldn't have no brothers up in there. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it was actually a sister. It was actually a oh, sister. Candace Owens. I think it was yeah, Candace Owens. I try not to give her any shine or say her name, yeah. but it was her. Those are people right there. They found those people they have in their pocket and stick them yeah. in yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two hearings about this. You know, so... so um. You know, it's it's a problem that that is not being addressed. And you're absolutely right. They they, they could crack down on the Black Panthers. They did it before. There's no. There's they, they can do it right now. They can do it. Yeah. It's just no it's, no it's no. Man, around the time Obama was in, it, it got to its peak. It was starting. It was rising. When Obama got in the air, Obama, Obama, they went from around 600 different groups to over a thousand yeah. after the election of Donald Trump. It has skyrocketed even more. And now look at what's going on. We have. Uh, Antifa attacking Trump members and Trump attacking Black Lives Matter. This it's a it's a mess. It's a mess. Yeah, it's a right. mess. And, and and so you know this 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 is a this is a problem. And I uh, I don't know how much you guys pay uh, listen to to politics, but there was a guy, uh, the General uh, Mad Dog uh, uh, Maddox, I think Mattis, Mattis, General, yeah, General Mad Dog Maddox. He said this president doesn't even try. To, to bring the country together oh, about no. the way that, that, that he's, that he said it was so right. He doesn't even, he's not even trying to, to get no. people to calm down and relax and go home and, and let's love our neighbors and let's, let's oh, talk. No. And he's not even trying to do that. He can't so win. I, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's so Obama or the election of Obama started this racial stuff. But understand, it was always underneath the surface. Yeah, it's always here. Yeah. It was always underneath the surface. So when Obama gets in office, it's like, okay, we got to do something about this because these because these people are going to try to take over. Trump gets in office with all his all of his rhetoric, and now we now look now we've been sitting in the house <laughs> for, yeah. since since March <laughs> with this COVID. And 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 uh, watching watching riots in the street. It's 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 been the craziest year of, yeah. of my of my forty seven years of life. And that's one crazy. thing it has been crazy. It's been a crazy twenty twenty. <laughs> so, it's, so it's safe to say that you're not a Trump supporter. It's safe to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I I consider myself. Listen, I I, I consider myself uh, uh, independent. I, I don't agree with everything the liberals say, the, the Democrats, and I don't agree with everything that that the, that the Republicans I, say. So, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Um, independent have their own vision yeah. of things. I don't think I ever agree with a Republican, so I don't know. I never, they never said anything I agree with. Ever. <laughs> so, but I, I do appreciate you, man, Captain Hunter, coming in here on this podcast. I got, I got oh, one, got one more question. One joint. Go ahead, Jay. All right. How did you feel? All right. Overall, how would you feel about? All right, we had a few months ago uh, came out South Carolina once again, South Carolina. Uh, yeah, police officer that had his rhetoric and was in his cop car. So they did an a audit on his audio in his cop car, and it came up that he was like, uh, he was going to grab him a rifle and shoot up some black folks and start a uh, civil war, too. Mm. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. I feel so, good. Uh, I. I, I Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I feel, I feel good that a white female sergeant, if I understand, did her job. Number one, and number two, but did her job by doing the audit, checking the his body camera, and I feel good that the department did something about it. That's what I, I feel good about. That I've obviously, you know, this guy doesn't deserve to be a police officer, but in this particular. In, instance that you're talking about, the system worked. The the sergeant did her job and then she reported him and got him and got him out of there. So we all should feel good about that. That this white female officer did her job and uh and the department took action. Um and hopefully other officers will understand that. And you know, I don't want to drive this stuff underground as we as we talked about. I don't want officers not to make these comments in their in when they're sitting in their cruisers or or wait till they go home or set up fake Instagram profiles and Facebook profiles and then do this stuff. I don't want them to do that. I want them to really get to know black people. I really want them to get to know immigrant people or, or you know anyone. I want them to get to know people and understand and not be moved by their emotions and get to know us. We get to know them. So just like you're talking to me, you get to know police officers and say, "Hey, listen, that Captain Hunter, he wasn't such a jerk. Maybe there are <laughs> there are police officers who, 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 can, who can do this." Right? I, I hope that that's what the conversation you would say, right? So be, be, that that is something that we need to build towards. That we need to work towards. And us being at each other's throat is not going to get us anywhere. It's going to get us further and further away from people. We're going to hate people. We're going to we're going to want to not want to deal with those type of people. We're, we're going to say, you know, F it, I'm not going to talk to any more white people. Well, all white people don't think like that. All white people don't 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 have that mindset. And so we need to keep that in mind and be open-minded to 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 engaging with those people 
talk to those people, listen to those people, and 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 hopefully we we can change their minds. They can change our minds. We can have a conversation. We can sit with each other, uh, and, and just love each other. I went to a, to a football game one time. This white guy I was sitting next to was getting on my nerves because he was so nice. He wanted kept wanting to buy me beer. I'm like, listen, I'm not buying. <laughs> But but he was so nice. But he was so nice. So us talking, we sat through the whole game, and we had a nice conversation just talking. You know, when he wasn't trying to get me drunk. <laughs> so so we can do this. We can do this, man. We really can do this. But we get we can't. We, we talked about the Republican uh, thing before, right? Republican Democratic thing before. Mm-hmm. I think that that that, that th- way of thinking is is really tearing this country country apart. We need to stop being huddled together in our own echo chambers just listening to, to these people or reading what these people say, and all I'm doing is, is focusing on what they say. L- look at other people that you don't agree with and try to find some common ground. Look at them, read them, understand where they're coming from, why they say it, call into their shows, invite them on your show, have a conversation with these people. Oh, yeah, I've been looking for uh, KKK racists to come on our podcast. Hey, anybody watching right now, you're a racist. Yeah. We need you. You know yeah, 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 yeah. Let, let, let's <laughs> have it out, man. There's a, there's a brother I have on, and maybe you can have him on your podcast, too. His name is Daryl Davis. This brother, black brother, musician, has been to, uh, and if you invite him, he'll, he'll definitely come, um, Daryl Davis. Um, he, he's been to Klan rallies. Uh, he's been to cross burnings. Black brother. He's on CNN? He's on CNN. Uh, he's been on w- yeah. So this brother, this brother uh, uh, has, been, <laughs> has been taking Klan members' robes. Uh, he's got a collection of clan members' robes that they gave him over two hundred, I believe. He's got two hundred because, right? yeah, yeah, because he got to know people, and that's what it is. He used his music. People came up to him as a musician, and once again, I I told the guy I don't know the, the history of the guy who's trying to buy me beer, but you just talk to people on a common ground, whether it's you because you like the same sports team, you like the same music. We're all people, and if I you get to know, if you get to know people. We won't have this problem, you know, and that's that's the problem, man. So, Daryl Davis, reach out to him. He's a good brother, and he can give us the secrets about how to reach people who, who don't see the same thing as us. So, I hope that was a long-winded kind of answer, but I feel good that, that the system worked in that case in South Carolina. I feel good about that. Bro? Oh, yeah. Just, just a random question for me. Um, so, you seem like um, you well thought out and well planned, so I'm going to throw you a random to you. Okay. Um, you're the acting police chief in Chicago. How would you deal with that situation out there? If the police stopped me in Chicago? No, no I said you, you're the acting police chief oh, in Chicago okay. as of right now. How would you de-escalate that situation that's out there? Yeah, uh, um, Chicago's unfortunately had a, had a problem. So if I'm the acting chief, I would go to the union. I would go to the community. I would go to the uh Preachers out there, uh, I would talk to every single roll call, every single member of my department collectively. Um, I can't do it individually in thousands of officers, but you can do it collectively. You can have Zoom meetings and, and meet with the people, give them my vision of as far as what I want, talk to the community, see what they want, see what, how we can make things better, um, and talk to the union and, and get them on board and, and say, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold people accountable talk to the, to the city leaders, city managers, uh, right? This, this stuff can be, it can be overcome. We, we can overcome these problems uh, that we, uh, that, that are here, but it, it's going to start with dialogue, conversation, 
talking with each other, not at each other, uh, not going in there thinking the police are always right because we're not, uh, not thinking the community is always right because they're not, <laughs> uh, not thinking the politicians are always right because God knows that they're not always right. So uh, you have to go in there with an open mind, open heart, talk to people, implement change, uh, see where we see where there's deficiencies at. And I think that, that you, we started off this conversation with something that, that is very, that is very key. Every single uh, a survey that has been done between white people, their, their appreciation or their respect for police and that, and, and the same questions are asked to black people. It really isn't off. It's about eight in 10 black or white people that approve of the police and as bad as situations are, it's really about six and 10 average between black people who have, a, have an affinity or, or believe the police are doing a good job. Mm -hmm. But that, that really isn't a bad thing. What we started off with is that when people don't, aren't held accountable, and that unfortunately has been going on for too long, when officers do something, no one's holding them accountable. And that's what drives the, drives things down. The way that people, it's two biggest things that I know from my IA days and being a supervisor is, is that, uh, and you mentioned it again, is how police officers talk to people. That's number one. That's how police officers talk to people. And number two is when the police officers do something wrong, that they're not held accountable. So you can fix that. People can fix that. A, a, a good administration can fix that. You yeah. go in there and say, listen, you're not going to swear at anyone. You're going to introduce yourself. You're going to say, yes, sir. No, sir. Ma'am. Thank you. And we have body cam footage. And if I see a body cam footage where you're not addressing someone as sir or ma'am, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to get an extra, extra duty assignment or something like that taken mm -hmm. away from you. Right. You, you, we can do, you can correct that in, in a couple of weeks and you can correct how they talk to people and you can, and you can correct how and when discipline is coming. That's going to be more of a challenge with unions as we talked about. But the, but those two are, are huge items that, that people can deal with. Let me tell let me tell the story about not too long ago when I went to, uh, I'm retired just a few days, you know, and I went to the state police uh, in, my st in my state here and I had to, you know, deal with them for, for a little bit. So I walk in and the guy gets on the phone. He's like, uh, pick up the phone. Yeah, can I help you? He just says, uh, you know, it's, Troop, whatever it was, I'm not going to say the troop number. And he says, uh, and he never introduced himself. Hello, this is uh, Trooper such and such. How can I help you? It's just Troop Troop X. And there's no Troop X in Connecticut, but that's what he said. So I'm like, man, okay. And now, now the commander in me is starting to think, man, okay. I, we would, I would never allow anybody to answer the phone like that. But that's how this guy answered the phone. <laughs> so he starts asking me, do you have a mask on? Do you have a mask? I'm like, I have a mask, but it didn't say to put on a sign. No, I should have had a mask on. <laughs> I should have had a mask on. But, but there's there no sign saying enter the premises from the mask. So I didn't. And I looked. <laughs> so, but, but, but I know better. I should have had a mask on. So he says, okay, do you have ID? Yeah, I have ID. What does that got to do with <laughs> what I'm here for? Right? Yeah. So his whole, my point is the whole approach and how we talked. I was turned off. As a, I'm a citizen now, but I'm turned off. And I'm thinking about this. So my point is we can fix this. We can fix this, this warrior type of us against them mentality that the police have for people. If we come off and know how to talk to people like they're a human being, like we as police are not robots, like we're not an occupying military force in people's communities. Hello, sir. If I pull you over a motor vehicle stop, hello, sir. Don't, don't have my hand on my gun as we talked about. Hello, sir. I stopped you for, uh, you know, uh, running that stop sign back there. Do you have a license? My name is uh, Officer So and So. Do you have a license, registration, insurance on you? 
that 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 would change your perception of the police. <laughs> it really would. Yeah. We, we could change that in six months if we just did that. <laughs> six months. Now, that that comes down to who's running the uh, departments. Really? I started that. I, I started that then, right? I said it comes from the top. I talked about my mayor, who was a former chief of police, to my other chiefs of police, to myself as a captain. It all starts with these people. It all starts with them, right? I, I would even say the mayors, right? The, the mayor's huge. What kind of city am I running here? Do the, do the citizens of my city feel safe going to the police, calling 911? Do they feel safe when, when the police are, are driving around? Or do I want a tyranny that I think that I have to control all these people, right? It starts with the mayor. What kind of city am I going to start Start off with? Then it goes to the chief of police. What kind of department am I going to run? Am I going to run a department where I expect my officers to, to talk down to people? Uh, continue on with that story when I was at the state police barracks. Uh, the, the guy says, uh, so he hands me back his, uh, long story short, he slides, I give him my ID, uh, then he gives it back to me, and he says, Lawrence. And then, here's your ID. Not Mr. Hunter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Now, if, I, if I'm going to address him, I'm going to say Trooper so-and-so, you know? Yeah. If I ask him for his name, he's going to say my name is Trooper, Trooper or, or Officer. I'm not just picking a state police, but, but off, my name is Officer Hunter, and my badge number is X, Y, and Z. But he calls me by my first name. Now, I don't know how... The, I never saw the guy. He's sitting behind a black glass, taking yeah. out glass. Another problem I had. I don't even know who I'm talking to. So so, so these are these are problems that people have with, with the police. They don't want to go to police. Right. So th these are problems. So I never saw this guy to this day. I don't I don't know who he is. He calls me by my first name. I'm 47 years old. I don't know if this guy's 30 years old. I don't know who he was. Yeah. He says, my, says my name is Lawrence. Just just barks out my name. OK, <laughs> you, you know, that turned me off. That turned me off. And I know it turns everyone off. I know yeah. that it does. I was a supervisor uh, and people came into the, our front desk that we called it. And they said to us, uh, you know, I didn't have a problem that this officer towed my car. But did he have to swear at me in front of my kids? Did he, did he have to be so mean? Did he had to be so rough? And, and that is a good question that people need to, to, to ask. And that, again, as we said, comes from the top. A mayor should say, don't talk to these people like that. Uh, a commander, a supervisor should say, don't talk to these people like that. Call them yes, sir, no, sir, ma'am, thank you. Tear down this, 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 this tinted window that nobody can see who you are. We're here to serve. You are a public servant. I did not feel served that day. Mm. So, yeah, I say that. Shout that for the people in the back. You know, I don't think they understand. <laughs> they get served. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's crazy. It's like, like I told you before, I don't like police, but I have <laughs> like a, a a retired police officer now named Hunter. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I can come to the cookout now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, sit there at the cookout. You know, <laughs> I appreciate you a whole lot for coming in and stepping in on our podcast, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Taking time out, you know, appreciate it a whole lot. Absolutely, man. We gotta do this again, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. Most definitely, yeah. So, y'all ain't got nothing else to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, we can let go. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it a whole lot, man. It, absolutely, man. I'm gonna reach out, man. Have you on my podcast, man. We can, we can chop it up, man. So. That's what's up, man. Because you maybe look at uh, police officers a little different because some good ones. Maybe. If it's something like you, put it like that. I don't want to say it. It, it, it got to be like you. whole thing like that. <laughs> you know? But I appreciate you a whole lot, man. If Absolutely, you ever want to come on there, just reach out. We come on there and join this. Oh, we're going to make it happen. Make it happen. Appreciate it a whole lot, man. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay, man. Take care. Yes, that was retired police officer. Long time.
Was it like me? Yeah, it did, though. It really did. Real? Yeah. I mean, I see where you're coming from, and he actually had some solutions to the problems that I had the most problem with. Yeah, because at first we thought we was about to yeah, yeah. eat this bad well. Yeah. <laughs> so he had my whole thought process, okay, police, okay, I'm about to dig in this well. You know what I'm saying? And he admitted that he see that they do bad and they, they got away with issues going on right now yeah. and in the past. And he kind of agree with everything we were saying. It's kind of hard to be mad at. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you should be mad at the top down here.